welcome to the Joel Rest Podcast, episode three, recorded just after midnight on the 24th of January 2015. And once again, somewhere fairly warm and fairly quiet, so no complaints on that front, even though it is bitterly cold outside. So what have I been up to for the last week? Well, not a great deal, I'm afraid, because I recorded the last one Sunday night, I think, and it's only Friday night now, so just a week of boring work and stuff. Just preparing for Mintcast in a couple of days, running Android x86, that's going pretty well, and thinking about Linux Luddites in a week, but not really much to report on either of those. So what I'm going to talk about? Well, I'm going to talk about podcasting, which is a little bit meta, obviously. And I'm going to talk about how I got into doing this and also what podcasts I listen to and which ones I've stopped listening to, which might even be more interesting. If at all interesting, well, you'll be the judge of that. So where did it all start for me then? Well, believe it or not, it started in 2011, early 2011, in fact, about January, February time, around about this time, four years ago, a long, long time ago. And I'd been discussing for a while with a friend of mine in Germany about doing a show, and it was going to be kind of general tech, um, science, very broad, which I've since learned would have been a terrible idea in terms of finding a niche and stuff. But we recorded a pilot anyway, and he sent me his audio, and I started editing it, and it soon became very clear to me that it wasn't going to work, because I'd been speaking to him an awful lot over text chat, mostly kind of Gmail chat, IRC, that kind of thing, and his written English was absolutely brilliant, perfect, basically, with the odd little mistake here and there, almost perfect. But his spoken English, you could definitely have a conversation with him and understand each other perfectly. And, you know, you could socialize and go down the pub and it wouldn't be a problem. But trying to do a podcast, he was obviously a little bit nervous doing it in a second language. And he took a lot of pauses and it just was a nightmare to edit. I only got about 15 minutes into editing it. And then I just gave up and thought, no, this is not going to happen. And so I was almost proven right by my girlfriend that I was not going to do podcasting until two years later. And bear in mind, I'd been thinking about doing this and listening to podcasts thinking, I'm sure I could do that. I'm sure I'd be all right. I've got the editing skills and the audio skills to do it. And I'm sure I could do it. And then it was a case of trying to find someone to do it with. And then I found a guy called Gareth in Los Angeles, who I will get back to later in my list of podcasts that I listen to. And I've been listening to some of his shows and I emailed him and said, hey, do you want to do uh, a tech podcast? And he said, yes, he'd been thinking about doing it for a while and he wanted me to send him a demo recording. So I did that, just a couple of minutes of me talking. And he obviously liked the sound of me. And so we started a show called The Mind Tech Podcast. Now, he is a huge Apple fanboy. He's iPhone up to the max. He's got all Mac minis and his whole family. I think at one point he counted all the Apple devices that he owned, including all laptops and Mac minis and servers and everything. And it was like 14 or 15 or something. So obviously I wasn't going to (laughs) be in agreement with him there. But the thing that we did agree on was our hatred of Microsoft and Windows. Obviously me being a Linux guy. And that ran for 
almost a year, lasted till February 2014. And then the bottom line is he's in LA, I'm in London. There's an eight hour time difference. It was always fairly tricky. And then his circumstances changed work-wise and it was just not going to happen anymore. The show had got a little bit stale anyway, so it was it was kind of fate, really. It was time to knock it on the head, generally. And we could have maybe worked incredibly hard with one or two of us both getting up ridiculously early or alternating or something. But it just wasn't going to happen, and so that was that, basically. We did revive it recently, uh, just at the end of 2014, for a Christmas special or kind of end-of-year special where we did a year wrap-up because we'd been off the air for 10 months and that was quite good fun I stayed up late got pretty drunk and so I'll link to that anyway in the show notes but kind of in the middle of that I'd been listening to Mintcast for quite a while and Scott had to move house basically he had to move from I think Montana to Virginia, although don't quote me on that, but from kind of the middle of America to the East Coast, I think, because for work and to move back closer to relatives, I think, and because his daughter was going off to college. And as you all know, surely if you're listening to this, you must have moved house. I mean, I moved round the corner from where I live now about five, six years ago, and that was just a nightmare so I can't imagine what it must be like to move across a continent. And so he was out of the picture basically for several weeks. And Rob had actually done one or two shows on his own. And I just thought, well, well, that's quite ironic for me saying that it doesn't work with one just one person because I'm speaking to you now as one person. But I felt that it really could do with an extra person. So I emailed and said, hey, I haven't got that much experience, but yeah, linked to the Mind Tech podcast and said, you know, maybe you could give me a go. And this was a podcast that had hundreds of episodes on its belt that seemed really kind of quite together and, dare I say it, professional. And so I was quite surprised when they were just like, yeah, come on, no problem. And so I came on and did a few shows here and there, filled in while Scott was away. And then when he came back, kind of did them here and there and eventually ended up basically full-time with the show and around March 2014 so basically shortly after the Mindtech finished they went every couple of weeks to sync up with Linux Luddites which I'll get to and that's when I more or less joined permanently and it's the odd time the odd Sunday that I don't do it because it's recorded on a Sunday night at eight o'clock so it's quite rare that I won't be in because I'm generally not out partying, although I was out a few weeks ago because I had a housewarming party to go to. But generally speaking, I'm around to do it. So it's it worked out quite well, really. And so on to Linux Luddites then. And Paddy, who you will obviously know if you're listening to this, I would have thought, actually came on the Mindtech podcast, episode 27, in late September 2013. So again, this is kind of all, it all overlaps really. It was shortly after I'd first done Mintcast. He came on the Mindtech to kind of set us straight about some crypto stuff. Now, I've never claimed to be an expert in crypto, but Gareth had kind of said some things that weren't entirely true 
And Paddy had kind of called us on that or called him on that in the comments. And so I said, hey, well, just come on. I think it might have been on Twitter anyway. And I'd been speaking to Paddy a little bit on Twitter. I only knew him by his Twitter name at that time. But anyway, so he came on the show and was a little bit nervous, but did okay, I thought. And I'd had a taste of doing Linux podcasting from Mintcast. And the thing is that whenever I was on Mindtech, I always had to, I felt like I had to explain things because it wasn't necessarily a Linux audience. It was a general techie kind of tinfoil hatty type audience. And so the, just little throwaway things that I would say now, like, uh, I don't know, G-parted, I would have to explain what that is. And so having had the taste for a proper Linux podcast, and I thought, right, I want to start my own. Obviously, that's the open source way. You don't contribute to something to make it better. You just start your own thing, like with all the video editors. And so I emailed Paddy, and we had a bit of a back and forth, and he seemed to be on the same wavelength as me. And we did a Skype chat, I think, or Hangout or whatever. And then we decided, right, let's do it. And so we recorded the first one. He dealt with all the server stuff, put it out, and the rest is history. We're over a year into it now. It's going strong. The listenership it keeps growing slowly but surely. People are supporting us and it just seems to be doing pretty well, really. So then in early 2015, obviously two episodes ago, I decided to do this solo show. Three episodes in and I still haven't got any guests, but I'm kind of working on that. I should have gone to Jesse's this week, but I was just too busy and he was too busy going on his dates, his off grinder or whatever it is that he's into. He's going to probably laugh at that. I think it's Tinder, really, because he's straight. Whatever, it doesn't bother me. So that kind of gets us up to date then. That's how I got into podcasting. So I decided to look down my feed list, past and present, and see which podcasts I listen to. And I was expecting it to be a whole load of tech podcasts and then a few non-tech ones. And it actually dawned on me that, apart from the shows that I'm involved with, that I listen back to... I suppose out of vanity, technically and officially, because I have to check the quality, but well, I don't know, anyway. I, apart from those, there's only actually three tech podcasts, and really only two that I regularly listen to. And I couldn't believe it. I thought, surely there must be more than that. But I'm usually quite tech-centric on this anyway, so I thought I'd start with the non-tech stuff. And I must say, one of my favourite podcasting networks is Bald Move. Uh, baldmove.com and they are a couple of guys from Indianapolis I think in America and they cover TV shows basically what got me into them first was the Breaking Bad podcast that they do called Breaking Good and then I got into Watching Dead and there's another show called Bald Movies which is quite sporadic but they they take um, requests I think on Patreon or Subbable, where if you donate a certain amount, you can commission a podcast. So over Christmas, they did Godfather 1 and 2, so that was pretty cool. But they cover a lot of shows that I'm not really interested in, like Mad Men, Game of Thrones, um, American Horror Story, um, Boardwalk Empire. So if you're into the kind of HBO-style TV stuff and you want some really in-depth analysis... For some people, it's a bit too far and they just want to enjoy TV. But I feel that you get a lot more out of watching TV shows by 
listening to their analysis because they really dive deep into the research and they scour Reddit and they watch it a few times and catch all the little nuances. So they're well worth listening to if you like TV shows and you like podcasts. And one of the most recent ones, I think the most recent one that I've added to my queue is Hollywood Babylon, which, as you may or may not know, is Kevin Smith of Clerks and Jay and Silent Bob fame, who does it with a guy called Ralph Garman, who's an actor who does some of the voices in Family Guy, but some of the more obscure voices, he's like Guy in Shop or Cop Number 2 or whatever. And listen to the early shows, it was less formulaic, but I've listened to the kind of first few and then the latest three or four. And the latest three or four, of they're all the same, basically. Whenever they're in front of a live audience, which is most of them, it's the same formula. And so you either like it or you don't, really. They start off with what ostensibly is like feedback and shout-outs to people, but it's basically an excuse for Ralph to do his impressions. And he sings songs as Arnold Schwarzenegger and does impressions of various movie stars and stuff. And it's pretty funny. And then they kind of do the obituaries, the showbiz news, and then geek news, which is kind of comic books and stuff that I'm not really into. But it's a pretty funny show. It's about an hour long every week. And that's worth listening to, I reckon. Uh, Next one, Little Atoms, which I don't listen to regularly. Well, I don't listen to all the time, put it that way. It's very much down the bottom of my list of priorities if i get stuck for something to listen to then i'll kind of search through and see who sounds good and it's a show hosted by a guy called neil denny who is friends with some pretty influential people i think like i think he's mates with john ronson and stuff and he's had him on the show a couple of times and it essentially is a book show really where he gets authors on to talk about their book So it obviously depends who gets on. Sometimes it's really interesting if the person's interesting and sometimes it's just really not very interesting. So it's one of those hit and miss shows where you kind of read the description and then decide whether you're going to listen to it or not. It's not the kind of thing that you're going to listen to religiously, I don't think. And next up, the Doug Stanhope podcast. Now, Doug Stanhope is an American stand-up comedian who's best known in the UK for being on Charlie Brooker's shows as the drunken American kind of ranting about stuff. But he's an incredibly successful stand-up comedian who's been on TV and stuff, and he's... Look him up on YouTube anyway. He's very offensive. Some would say he's a little bit like Bill Hicks, but I think that's a bit unfair, really. I think that's a bit superficial to compare him, just because he talks a bit about politics and stuff, but... It's quite a different um, routine. But anyway, his show is just him and his friends getting drunk and talking, basically. And so it's a little bit hit and miss. Some of the early ones were absolutely hilarious. One that's well worth pointing out is when he had his long-term girlfriend's sister on and he was talking about some of the stories that she got up to and that was just absolutely hilarious. I've almost never heard anything as funny as that. And one that I listened to one of that was absolutely brilliant was called The Dollop. And I don't know much about it. I've only really heard one of them, but I think it's worth me linking to one particular episode about competitive tickling. And it's just two kind of stoned comedians talking about this subject. And it's hard to describe, but 
I, I listened to that one and found it brilliant. I listened to another couple and wasn't really that entertained by them. So I haven't subscribed. But if I get really desperate, then I might go back to it. But it's worth flagging up just for that one episode, which is absolutely brilliant. And the next one, Wittertainment, which is the kind of unofficial title of it. And that's the first BBC one that I'm going to talk about. And that is from BBC Radio 5 Live. And it's Mark Kermode and Simon Mayo doing a film review show. I think it's officially called Kermode and Mayo's Film Review, but everyone just calls it Wittertainment because it's two old guys wittering on and it's entertaining. It's kind of a portmanteau of those two words. And... Being the BBC, obviously they get some pretty top guests on, proper Hollywood A-listers. And Mark Kermode is arguably the, the top most film reviewer in this country. And because they've been going for 10 years nearly, or no, more than 10 years, I think, they've got a lot of in-jokes. So it kind of takes a little while to get into if you've never listened to it before. But if you're into movies like I am, then it is well worth listening to. And always... If I'm arming and ahhing about a film, then I will look on YouTube for one of his reviews because the, most of the major reviews get posted to YouTube and then that will often inform my decision because he's really impartial. Although his background is horror and he's got a PhD, I think, in horror movies. I don't know how that works, but anyway. And so that's really his genre. He's, he's a professional critic, so he can watch um, the Postman Pat film or uh, you know kids movies and form a proper opinion a proper kind of fact-based opinion an impartial opinion based on whether people are actually going to like it and he can do that with any genre basically and so I that is one of the longest running podcasts I've been listening to there's been times when I've neglected it when there's been better stuff to listen to but always when I get a bit short if I've got any of those to listen to, that kind of fills the time and I get caught up on them and I'm currently caught up with them. So definitely recommend that. Incidentally, I'm going to link to all of these in the show notes, so it's worth checking those out at joerest.com. So the next one is the Mindset Podcast, which obviously sounds a little bit like the Mind Tech Podcast. Well, that's where I got the name from for the Mind Tech. And what the Mindset Podcast is is Gareth, who I used to do the Mind Tech podcast with, and a panel of guests each week that is recorded live over Skype. They basically have one Skype conversation, and he just records it, and there's no editing virtually, and he just puts the music on the top and the tail, puts it out, recorded on a Sunday afternoon, and it's out less than an hour after it's finished. And it's a show where they discuss the news, from a parapolitical point of view, you might say. That's one way of looking at it. Another way of looking at it is tinfoil hat. Another way of looking at it is crazy conspiracy theorist. Now, I am not a crazy conspiracy theorist. I don't believe everything that David Icke says and Alex Jones and the crazies, the truthers, but I entertain the ideas because I think that you can't just shut yourself off from that. And I know I'll probably be alienating some of the listeners by saying this and I alluded to it a little bit on the last show that I am aware I, I like to be aware of everything I mean there was a while I'll get into it in a second that I was into skeptical stuff skeptics with a k 
And I like to think that I approach things from a scientific method of looking at the evidence. But at the same time, I think that with certain key events, key world events, if you really look at the evidence of that and don't just dismiss the crazy conspiracy theories as that and really examine it, there are a lot of questions to be asked. And I don't believe many of the conspiracy theories and a lot of what the guys say on the Mindset podcast, I think is just crazy, basically. But sometimes they really open my eyes to things. And when there is actual evidence for things, I mean, for example, on that show, there's a common thread. I mean, it was a while ago now, but Sandy Hook, which was a school shooting in America where lots of very young children, I think, were shot. And they have got some pretty outlandish ideas about that, that basically that it didn't happen and it was staged and it was all about gun control. And that seems to me to be a bit outlandish, but some of the evidence they put forward to support their claims seems quite interesting. And recently with the Charlie Hebdo thing, there was one specific bit of footage which had been on the mainstream media and on the BBC and everything of the police officer getting shot in the head with an AK-47 and they were talking about that and how it seemed fake and I've spoken to some Americans who are real gun nuts and they have said well yeah obviously that's fake that's just not how it would happen there'd be a lot more blood so who knows I'm not sure who said it but I like to keep an open mind but not so open that my brain falls out and I think that it's wrong to just dismiss crazy conspiracy theorists offhand and I like to kind of hear both sides of things because you hear enough of the the skeptical side of things and you know even if it's only to humor them it's worth checking it out anyway I know that Gareth listens to this so (laughs) I'm not sure what he's going to make of my assessment of that there's one particular regular panellist on there who's really, really good, and that's Ben Emlyn-Jones. He's known for his Hapanwo, Hospital Porters Against the New World Order, the best acronym ever. Well, the second best, I'll get to that in a second. And he is really well-informed, arguably a little bit crazy, but, you know, aren't we all? So check it out, if only to try and open your mind a little bit and to hear some things that you disagree with, because it's not always good to live in this vacuum where everything you listen to you agree with otherwise you just end up just reaffirming your beliefs and never changing your mind about anything and that can't be a good thing surely so the next one on a lighter note is Rahulastapa which is definitely the best acronym ever I'm afraid it just about beats out Hapanwo and that stands for Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast And as the name suggests, it's Richard Herring, who is a comedian, a stand-up comedian, who was famous in the 90s as a double act with Stuart Lee, who's now more famous than him. Interviewing various famous people, celebrities, I suppose, on stage at the Leicester Square Theatre. Somewhere which, incidentally, I saw Doug Stanhope many years ago. Well, a few years ago, 2011, maybe 2010. And the last series of it has been put out on YouTube as well as videos, but it's very much an audio experience. I think the the video doesn't really add much. And it's very, very funny. 
He's got a very strange sense of humour, Richard Herring. He asks the most ridiculous questions. He obviously asks some sensible questions, but then he's got his emergency questions. Like one of them is, he, and he seriously asks celebrities this, would you prefer to have a hand that's made out of ham or an armpit that dispenses sun cream? And then there's certain caveats like, it's not actual ham, but it tastes and looks like ham and it grows back and you can eat a little bit of it. Or the sun cream is enough for one or two people for a year, but you couldn't produce it commercially. And just ridiculous questions like that. And I suppose that doesn't sound very funny, but when you listen to it, it is very, very funny. So I would recommend that definitely. Uh, another BBC one is The Infinite Monkey Cage, which is Professor Brian Cox and the comedian, and I use that, I'm kind of doing that finger thing, comedian Robin Ince. Now, I don't think Robin Ince is very funny, and I know that Brian Cox isn't very funny, I'm afraid. And it is a very strange mashup, this show, between serious science and really interesting science and really lame attempts at humour. And it's on Radio 4 in the UK. And it's now recorded in front of a live audience. The, the earlier episodes weren't, and I think they were much better as a result because they weren't playing up to the audience and trying to be funny as much. And they have a panel of usually half scientists, half comedians. And it's this real crunching juxtaposition. I'm not really selling this, am I? But it's a crunching juxtaposition between really interesting science and really lame jokes. If they cut it in half and cut out all of the jokes and made it a serious science show, then I think it would be good. Obviously, with the odd little bit of humour, but they have comedians like Ross Noble, who's just terrible, just forcing his terrible jokes in it. But that said, when it comes back for another series... I think I'll listen to it. I don't think I'm subscribed to it, but when I become aware of it, I'll catch up on it again. Uh, another comedy one is ComComPod, the Comedian's Comedian podcast. And that is hosted by a guy called Stuart Goldsmith, who started off as a kind of street performer, clown type guy, but now he does straight up stand-up. And it's him interviewing stand-up comedians, basically. And rather than the kind of standard superficial interview that you get with a stand-up comedian it's really really in-depth about their process and he spends an hour or more talking to them about like really what makes them tick and it's a mixture of well-known comedians and unknowns basically Stuart's from the UK and so it's kind of a UK centric show but he does travel around Australia and New Zealand for their comedy festival circuit which happens in the northern hemisphere's winter so he does have some international comedians on it and he's had Canadians and Americans on there but again it really depends on if you like the comedian or not if it's someone you've never heard of it can be interesting but at the same time if you have heard of them then it's pretty much definitely going to be interesting if, you, if you're into that comedian then to hear about their process, at least to me as someone who has dabbled very lightly in stand-up comedy, not very successfully I must say, it is interesting to hear the process. So that's not one of my regular shows but occasionally I'll dip into it if it's someone that I 
uh, like and I'm into. A kind of honourable mention for Rat Hole Radio, which is hosted by Dan Lynch, formerly of Linux Outlaws. And he's been doing that show for years now. And it's just him. And he plays various Creative Commons music. Often uh, does a live track himself with the acoustic guitar. And my bands and my music has been featured on that. But I don't listen to it. Why don't I listen to it? Well, I'm very sorry, Dan, but other people's taste in music is generally different from mine. And I think I spoke about that before. The thing is that it's a very subjective thing, isn't it, music taste? And to have someone's mix for an hour kind of thrown at you, it's going to be hit and miss, isn't it? And I don't have time to listen to bad music or music that I don't like. I think bad music is the wrong way to look at it because obviously someone must like it. In this case, Dan likes it. And that's why I'm reluctant to play music on this show and indeed other shows that I've been on. Obviously, my theme tunes are all made by me. Mintcast's different because that was established before I joined them, but uh, Mindtech, Linux Luddites, and this show are all music that I've made um, with my friend playing bass on some of them. But that's just the theme tune, and you kind of don't listen to that very much. But to force your music taste on someone, I don't know. I get the feeling that those shows don't do very well, but who knows? Maybe they do. But I thought I'd mention Rat Hole Radio on here because I've been on it and maybe you have a broader music taste than me. I like to think I've got a broad music taste, but I don't know, I'm quite fussy. I like all different genres of music, but I only like what I like within those genres. And I judge everything. I don't ever judge it on image or the band or whatever. There, there are bands that are supposedly cringeworthy and really not cool or whatever you want to say but I judge it on a stereo piece of audio in my headphones. If it sounds good or on speakers, if it sounds good, I like it. But uh, having listened to, I've never listened to a a mixed music show that I've liked everything on there, which is obvious really, but I don't have time to listen to stuff that I don't like. Um, I don't know, maybe I'm a bit too conservative with a small C. Last couple of non-techie ones then that are still going. One is the poker. Now, I mentioned the Mindset podcast, which is the Tinfoil Hat Brigade. And the guest who is arguably the the best, in my opinion, is Ben Emlyn-Jones. And he does a solo show on that network called The Poker, where he generally just talks into a microphone a bit like this about a certain specific topic. The last one was about UFO disclosure, which, again, you might be thinking, hmm, crazy alert. But again, as I said before, sometimes it's good to listen to things that challenge your beliefs and the widely held opinion of the masses, you know, just to to listen to it and hear that other side of the story. The one thing I'd say about the poker is the audio quality has not been very good. There's a lot of hiss and I've spoken to Gareth about it and uh, hopefully the next one is going to, use some of the audacity filters to sort that out but if audio quality isn't hugely important to you and if you're listening to the third one of these then you probably have got used to not perfect audio quality by now then um yeah check it out and so there's a show called half in the bag 
Now, that isn't really a podcast. It's more of, well, it is a video show. And it's some guys in Milwaukee, I think, in America, who have got a company called Red Letter Media. And they started out with the main guy, Mike, doing reviews of the Star Wars prequels on YouTube. And this was so far back in the day that it was in 10-minute chunks. And these reviews, he eventually did all three of the uh, Star Wars prequels. And I think at least one of them is two hours long, so it's as long as the movie. And he did a commentary for one of, I think, Empire Strikes Back, maybe. And he does it in this character of Mr. Plinkett. But that's how I heard of them anyway. And when I became aware of them, they just started a movie review show on YouTube and on their site called Half in the Bag. And I suppose you could rip the audio off it and just listen to it, but they kind of do these skits at the top and tail of it, but then they get into the serious movie review stuff. And it's good to have an alternative view on things because often they will disagree with Mark Kermode, who I was talking about earlier. And so it's good to, to get two sides of things and two opinions and two opinions that I respect. And then if they disagree, then obviously I then have to check it out and see who I agree with. But often they will agree because they do know they, they make films, the red letter media guys. So do check that one out as well. And so dead or dead to me is the next section. Now, one that I really, really liked was a BBC one called the daily bacon which was hosted by Richard Bacon, who UK listeners will probably know as former presenter of The Big Breakfast, which was a morning breakfast show, six till eight or something, six till nine. And before that, he'd been known for Blue Peter, which was a, which is a very long-running children's show. And he was disgraced. It was cocaine shame, as if none of the other presenters were. But he got caught doing cocaine anyway. And so he was out for a bit. And he worked on Five Live for a good few years, I think. And he would get guests on there. Because Radio Five Live is generally a sport, a news station. But they have occasionally they have other shows, like the Wittertainment, the film show. And two till four on a weekday afternoon, it used to be Richard Bacon. And he would have, again, it depends on the guests, but he would have guests on, and sometimes it was really, really interesting. And had various features and various in-jokes and stuff. And so that was really sadly missed when he left and he's moved to America to try and pursue his um, TV career and stuff. One that is still going, very much still going, I think, but is dead to me, and that is a skeptic's guide to the universe. Now, I think I started listening to that before I started listening to the Mindset podcast, and there was a time where the skeptic's guide would come out late on a Saturday night, so I'd listen to that Saturday night, and then Sunday night, the Mindset podcast would come out, and it would just be these two completely opposed views of the world where the skeptics think that anyone who questions any official story is just crazy and not worth even talking to. And then the, the tinfoil hat guys who just think they are a bit crazy. 
And so it was, it was really good for a while to have both sides of the coin. But I'm afraid that the Skeptics Guide guys are, are just too arrogant. They are just so arrogant in their belief that they are right about everything and that 9-11, like the fact that that's an inside job, that's just crazy and there's absolutely no evidence for it at all. When, come on, you only have to look at the evidence for it to know that it's a little bit fishy at best. The official story just doesn't make sense. And I'm not trying to preach tinfoil hat truthers stuff here. I'm not sure what happened that day all those years ago, nearly 15 years ago now. But I know that the official story has got some holes in it. And just, it's not even that. It's just the way they would pick on uh, psychics and just easy targets and just ridicule them and just be really smug about it. It was the smugness that I couldn't stand. And I listened to it for a few years. And in the end, I just couldn't stand it anymore. And I just unsubscribed. And it was quite difficult to stop listening to it, actually, because I would run out of other stuff to listen to. And I'd think, oh, should I listen to it? I thought, no, I've made a conscious effort. I don't like them. They've annoyed me one too many times and I'm going to stop listening to them. And so I have done. Another mindset one that is now defunct is Behind the Curtain. And that's another movie show, but it's a movie show from Tinfoil Hat perspective. So that was really interesting. There's kind of a theme developing here, isn't there? I'm really not that crazy in Tinfoil Hat. I I don't necessarily believe all that stuff. I just entertain the ideas because it, you know, I've I've explained that anyway. And so yeah, that was a, a mindset central show that didn't last that long. I think due to well, just scheduling issues again with Gareth being in LA and Alex, the other host, being here in the UK. It just wasn't going to happen really. Another one I used to listen to was Material World, and that was a science show on Radio 4. And a bit like the Infinite Monkey Cage, it's got some really good content on it, but in the end it came down to the fact that I just, I just don't like the host, Quentin Cooper. He's just not very good at it, I'm afraid. And it's a bit of a rude thing to say, and if he ever heard this, not that he ever will, but... Uh, it's not the kind of thing you'd want to say to someone's face, but it's just not a very good presenter. And so I stopped listening to it, but it might be that just some part of his personality clashed with mine or something. And I just didn't just, just couldn't stand him really, but it's worth listening to if you want a decent, well-produced BBC science podcast. And another one I used to listen to was any questions, which UK listeners will almost definitely know of question time which recently Russell Brand's been on and uh, Nigel Farage. And it's a political panel show where people from the audience ask questions and then they debate various... Well, it's not really a debate, is it? It's more the various politicians and or celebrities just have their say and then there's loads of shouting and they all want to try and get their point across and then nobody changes their mind about anything. It's just who can say what they want. And I used to listen to that religiously because there was a time when I worked in a place where Radio 4 was on constantly and it was mandatory. There was no listening to anything else, pretty much. 
And so I just had Radio 4 all the time. So I couldn't help but become kind of addicted to the news, really. And I used to really be into news and politics. And then I found that I was getting a bit depressed by it all, really. And so I made a conscious effort to stop listening to the news on the radio and stop watching TV. I mean, I'd kind of stopped watching TV at that point anyway and stop reading news that wasn't tech-related. And I decided that if anything is really important enough, then cultural osmosis will suck it into me. And that was, it must have been five years ago, four or five years ago. And I don't feel that I'm particularly ignorant of the, the mainstream news, but I don't have it forced down my throat anymore. And so, unfortunately, any questions had to go as part of that. And it was always a good show. And if you're into the news, then, you know, if you like Question Time, then it's basically the same format, only on the radio and slightly less visual. Not that Question Time is particularly visual anyway. You could probably just rip the audio off that and listen to it. So that's kind of all the non-tech stuff, which is most of it, really. And I thought there was going to be more tech shows, but there aren't. So the current two, and it might only be one, actually, tech shows that I listen to. The first one is Linux Voice. Now, there's almost no chance that if anyone's listening to this, you don't know what Linux Voice is, but here goes anyway. They used to do a magazine called Linux Format that was working for quite a big company called Future Media, and they just got sick of it. And they used to do a show called Tux Radar, which they were somehow allowed to do in their lunch break, or I don't know how it worked, but it was always a short show every couple of weeks. And then when they left that magazine, they continued to do the podcast and used the podcast to help promote the new magazine that they are now doing and that is now a year old called Linux Voice. And they've been doing the Linux Voice podcast, albeit not as frequently and quite often not in the same room. And I'm not going to lie, the show has definitely suffered as a result of them not being in the same room as each other. If you get used to doing it that way and then suddenly are forced to do it remotely, then it's a different experience. You're not used to it. I think that if you get into it like I did remotely, then you kind of develop a, a rhythm for that. And as I was talking about last time, I think one of the main issues that they suffer from is that there's three or four or five of them trying to do it remotely and they use Google Hangouts with video and presumably on, under this false impression that having video will help them to have visual cues, but really you just end up with more latency. And it, it, when I see them again, because I met them, or at least some of them at OGCAMP, I'm going to advise them to do audio only because the, the latency issue, it's better to have a lower latency and not see each other than see each other, but have the audio and video out of sync and have you know potentially up to a second sometimes of delay and it just works better with pure audio but each though anyway it's still a good show and i still listen to it and the other linux show that i'm not involved with but listen to is the ubuntu uk podcast or it used to be called the ubuntu uk podcast uupc they are on twitter now i think they just call it the ubuntu podcast because there's no other ubuntu podcast going and they have been going for several years now. 
longer than I have been into listening to podcasts even. But the guy who started it, Tony Whitmore, left at the end of the last series. Now, what they have always done is, I think kind of Easter-ish to Christmas, and then they have the winter off, or the rest of the winter off, which makes sense because they have to... They always do it in the same room and they live within vague, the home counties, kind of the south of England. But I think there's a fair bit of driving involved. So it makes sense to not do it in the winter when it's snowing potentially and icy and cold and you just don't really want to do it. And so they broke at Christmas for their usual break. And Tony announced that he was leaving and moving on. And he's the main guy who did all the audio stuff. And he'd been a bit absent over the last series basically the last year he went and climbed a mountain somewhere in africa for charity and he hasn't been around that much so he's been trying to hand over the reins but to be honest it's been a bit of a disaster technically i mean the content is still there the personalities are still there alan pope popey who's fairly well known is still doing it or has been still doing it and mark johnson and Laura Cowan, they're, they're all good at what they do in terms of speaking into the microphone, but technically they've had a huge number of problems and there have been some really dodgy episodes that have come out in Tony's absence. And now Tony's left, I'm a bit worried for them really that obviously they've now got more experience so you'd hope that they get better at it. But at the same time, now there's only three of them. Maybe they'll get someone else on board who lives locally from their local log or something. But they always have a, a planning curry that they do after Christmas to decide on the format and any changes or whatever. And they announced that they'd had that and they said it was really good, but didn't announce whether or not they're going to continue. And I asked them on Twitter and they said, "Ah, oh, well, you'll have to wait and see, which was really, really annoying. And, you know... There you go, anyway. I like to. I don't like to not know things. So I'm hoping it's going to come back, because if they don't, there's going to be a, a hole in my podcast listening schedule that I'm going to have to fill elsewhere. So here's hoping on that one. And a bit like Mintcast, how people think that, oh, well, we're Mintcast, so we only talk about Mint. Well, we don't. Obviously, we do talk about Mint, and if there is Mint news to talk about, we will clearly focus on that. But if there's not any Mint news, like... I don't think there's going to be any Mint news for a while now because the releases have all come out. And so you're looking at probably two, three, four months without any, well, two or three months anyway, without any Linux Mint development. So we'll be talking about whatever else is going on. And similarly with the Ubuntu podcast, I think that it's almost a mistake to attach yourself so heavily to one project because people think, well, they only talk about Ubuntu. I use a different Linux, so I'm not interested. But if you like Linux, they do talk about various other distros and just generally what's happening in the community and beyond as well so I, I think it's worth listening to anyway and I hope they come back and I hope that they sort out the audio issues and I hope they've learned from the mistakes of the last couple of months and so on to the kind of dead-ish tech ones um, the first obvious one is Linux Outlaws which finished at the end of last year and Linux Outlaws as I've said many times is definitely the biggest influence on me podcasting wise I wouldn't have got into this I wouldn't be sitting here talking now if it wasn't for Dan and Fab because they made me realise that anyone can do it 
and that's not kind of meant to sound offensive to them it's not they were so bad that I thought well I can do it but they were so relaxed and Dan specifically used the analogy of punk that punk you need a guitar and three chords with podcasting you need a microphone and some sort of internet connection and then anyone can do it it's it is the internet and technology has opened up broadcasting to anyone and so it really inspired me and for years I wanted to do it and then eventually I got around to it as I talked about earlier on in this so they will be missed but they promised that they would be back with a show called Geek News Radio at some point this year in a few months now I know Fab said on uh, Google Plus today that he filed six stories today which is quite a lot when you consider how long some of those stories are. I mean, I don't really read them because they're in German, but sometimes I read translations if they look interesting enough. But he's working incredibly hard at work. I know that his wife, Katie, lives in a different city, and so there's a lot of commuting going on there. And I really hope that they actually come back and do Geek News Radio. Dan and Fab have always said that they don't know how the Ubuntu guys do it with having a break because if you have a break then you just can't find the motivation to come back and this is now exactly what they're doing so I really hope that they were wrong about what they were saying before that if we took a break we'd never be able to come back because we just wouldn't be bothered to do it so I know that they've got big plans for it but you know as with anything in life plans are meaningless unless you actually find the time to develop them and follow through but I'm hopeful for that anyway because that sounds like a pretty cool show. It's going to be much less Linux focused and just kind of just talking about anything. And I, I like Dan, I like Fab, and they were talking about getting some other people involved. And I don't know, Fab kind of hinted that maybe he might ask me to be involved at some point because it sounds like it's going to have a rotating roster. So it would be cool definitely to get involved with it. But Time-wise, I don't know if I could, even if they wanted me to, I don't know if I would have time to do it all the time, but certainly from time to time, it would be cool to be on there anyway. Now, obviously, <clears throat> I couldn't talk about other Linux podcasts without talking about the Linux Action Show and Jupiter Broadcasting generally. Funnily enough, the Linux Action Show was the first podcast I ever listened to. And by that, I don't mean Linux podcast, I mean the first podcast. And that was from searching on Grooveshark for Linux and finding, oh, what's this Linux action show? Because I'd been listening to a lot of audiobooks at that point, but I had never, I mean, I was aware of podcasts, but I'd never actually listened to any. And so I started listening to that. I mean, that must have been, oh, I don't know, 2007 or something. It was around the time that they had dabbled with the computer action show and then came back to do Linux action show it was so whenever that was I think 2007 2008 maybe and I listened to it for a while but I just got fed up of Brian Lunduk really I never really minded Chris and I think that he's still a good broadcaster and what he's done with Jupiter Broadcasting is really admirable I mean he's made an independent broadcasting company there that cover all sorts of different aspects of mostly technology some they've branched out in some other ways but it's mostly tech based stuff and he's kind of uh, Leo Laporte light isn't he with uh, the Twitter network this week in tech and 
you could argue that most of the shows are kind of a rip-off of something else. Like, he's got his No Agenda rip-off show, and he's got a science show, which, mm, I don't know. There was a show called Jupiter at Night where it was just him and his friends goofing off, and that was quite good for a while. I thought they'd just talk about whatever. But the problem with Jupiter Broadcasting is that as he has made it into a business and indeed is living, it means that he's had to make artistic compromises in that he doesn't make shows that he wants to make necessarily. He makes shows that do well, get good listening figures or viewing figures on YouTube or whatever, and attract advertisers and sponsors. And so there are shows that I know he was having a good time doing, like Jupiter at Night, but that were obviously not attracting enough people and or were too vague and not specific enough and not niche enough for advertisers to think it was worth advertising. And so he's, he's had to not do them. And the shows that remain, TechSnap is one perfect example of it, which is a show I used to listen to. I mean, I listened to the first hundred maybe, so the first couple of years religiously, but in the end, the adverts got to me because TechSnap, I think, is well worth talking about because it stands for the SNAP is Systems Network and Administration Podcast. And Chris does it with a guy called Alan Jude from Canada who's a BSD guru, basically. And he thinks that Linux is for noobs. So that kind of gives you some idea. And he is so knowledgeable and he is a, a professor or certainly a teacher anyway or has been a teacher in a previous life, and he owns a, a CDN company, a content delivery network company that does video stuff, and he really knows his stuff. And if you were to listen to that show without adverts, it would be brilliant. And in fact, when it first started, there were very few adverts on there, whereas now it just seems like... It, I think they have three sponsors on it, and it, it's just a little bit of content, and then just loads of advert, and then a bit of content, and... I don't like adverts. What can I say? I use Adblock. I'm a bad person. And, you know, I much prefer the donation model, but I know that it's incredibly difficult to make a living out of the donation model. And if you basically sell out like Chris has, you can make a living doing what you love doing. And in a way, I suppose I maybe ought to think about doing that sort of thing. But I just, I don't know, I don't like shows with too many adverts. So... The whole Jupiter Broadcasting thing, uh, I wish them well. And officially on my shows, I pretend that I don't know who they are because arguably there's kind of competition there. But, I mean, it's not even... I looked today at their YouTube stats and that's... I would imagine that they get a lot more listeners than they get viewers because of commuters and stuff. Maybe I'm wrong, but even on YouTube, they're getting a couple of thousand views on their latest shows. And the the one they had storming on was like 70,000 views on YouTube. So... They've been working for a long time and specifically Chris and his wife, Angela, have been working for a long time and fair play to them, I suppose. It's it's all a bit American and it's all a bit advert-filled for my tastes. I will occasionally listen to sections of the Linux Action Show and if there's a huge thing like Heartbleed or whatever and I want to hear what Alan's got to say about it, then I'll listen to TechSnap, but it's not something that I listen to regularly, I'm afraid. Uh, one of the other early podcasts that I started listening to was the CNET UK podcast, and that has evolved hugely over the last five, six years. 
and it used to have really good chemistry. There used to be Flora Graham and uh, Rich Trenholm and a young guy as well who has been on TV and stuff now, has really grown. And it used to be really funny and used to have a really great chemistry, but then they left one by one and it just got a bit stale and I just stopped listening to it. And that was one of my biggest influences early on, actually. I wanted to do a show that was similar to that because they talk about gadgets and phones and stuff. And I like to shoehorn as much kind of phone and mobile and modern tech stuff into the Linux shows that I do, like with Android and whatever. But I've always secretly wanted to do a phone show. And there's someone who I almost managed to put one together with, but he's too busy with his kids and stuff. And so I've, I admired it early on, but it ran out of steam, I'm afraid, when various people left. And so I suppose all that's left then is every other Linux show that doesn't feature me and that isn't the Ubuntu UK podcast or Linux Voice. And I'm not going to name any names. I've, as far as I'm aware, have listened to all of them at least once. And there are various reasons why I don't subscribe and don't listen regularly. I suppose the main one is that now I do Linux Lullites every couple of weeks and Mintcast every couple of weeks, and they're alternating. It means that I'm fairly up to date with what's going on. And if I hear other people talking about it, it's I don't learn anything new. It would only be opinions on things that I already know about that I would be interested in. And I'm afraid all those other Linux shows just haven't been good enough for various reasons. Now, often there'll be technical reasons that their recording methods or audio quality is just too bad or that they don't edit enough and there's too much umming and ahhing and too much dead air. Or in some cases, I just don't like the people who do it. And as I said, I'm not going to name any names, but, you know, if you're listening to this, the chance I listen to Linux Lollites and the chance that you're aware of various other Linux shows. And every time I get bored and don't have anything to listen to, I ask for suggestions. People always suggest Linux shows and I just don't like any of them enough to listen to, I'm afraid. So, um, yeah, a bit of a downer to end on there. But... Instead of ending on a downer, let me end with the various feedback that I've had over the last, well, six days, is it? Five, six days? I can't believe it. People are actually listening to this. Not many. I've been looking at PodTrack and there's really not that many people listening. But it seems the people who are listening seem to like it, or some percentage of them do, and have written to me. And I had kind words from Gareth, who I mentioned from the Mindset podcast, and who I used to do my tech with. So thanks for that, Gareth. And John Stoom, or S- yeah, Stoom, I think, said, I didn't realise you were doing this, but I'm now subscribed. Well done, John. Also, I really enjoy the stuff you have on SoundCloud, particularly Old Order and LG. Thank you, sir. Well, thanks a lot, John. And I haven't done any new music for an awfully long time, as SoundCloud will tell you. But... My music is still on there anyway. Cider, beer, Joe. I suppose I ought to link to it. Um, check it out. Yeah, I keep meaning to write some more music. I was playing some guitar the other day and trying to get some inspiration, but it's difficult. I don't know what to write about mostly, lyrically, but 
there, there's always music in the pipeline. I haven't quite given up yet. And Tony Hughes said, Hi Joe, just like to say keep up the good work. I've listened to the first two shows, the second this morning in the car, which I thought would be appropriate given where he recorded the first one. I like the format and I was reminded of the late Alistair Cook talking each week on a reflection of what he felt was significant American events of the past week. You may have a way to go to get as high a profile as a great man, but as he said at the start, you have to start somewhere. <laughs> Indeed you do, and I don't think I'm going to get that far, but you never know. Not sure if you're scripting the show, but it might be a start if you want a more professional sounding output. And I replied to Tony and said that that's not what this is about, really. I don't want to practice reading things out. I want to practice just speaking freely. And so scripting it, I mean, I've got notes, obviously. I couldn't have remembered all those podcasts and read out all this feedback without notes. It's in a Google Doc that I'm scrolling through on my little laptop. But I don't want to script it out, you know, verbatim. But anyway, he continues... Anyway, just thought I'd drop you a line to say I've enjoyed the first two shows and you're in my podcatcher. A 20-minute show is just the right length as it's the time it takes me to drive over to my dad so I can hear a whole show in one go. Well, it looks like you'd be pausing this one in the middle because I think I've gone way over that so far and I've still got a little bit of feedback to read out. But thanks a lot, Tony, anyway. It means a lot. And Rich said, Well, that was Lennox Luddites, was it? Hey? I'm not really sure what he meant by that, but okay. Uh, for the longer shows, fine by me, more to listen to. Maybe you could split them up like the Ubuntu UK podcast did. And as I replied to Rich, we did seriously think about splitting Linux Luddites up into two shows. And Paddy suggested that we ought to do kind of instead of a two hour show every two weeks, a one hour show every week. And that's what Ubuntu UK did. After a while of doing the two hours, they split them up. But the thing is that a gas will always expand to fill the space that it's in. And if we did a show every week, then it wouldn't be long before that was a two-hour show every week. I can guarantee that that would just happen because we just talk so much. And then when you're trying to edit it down, you, it's very difficult because you think, well, that bit could go, but then somehow the bit that you want to get rid of has been referenced in a later bit that you want to keep, and so you can't then cut that out. And so I effectively just trimmed the fat, the ums and ahs, and any like really in the weed stuff. But otherwise, I just keep most of what we talk about. And so it's just never going to work to do it. I like doing the two-week format because it means that I have a week of quite intense research, recording, and editing, and then I have a week off, or a week to do a bit of lighter research and stuff. And... I just couldn't handle it every week. I wouldn't be able to do Mintcast. I definitely wouldn't be able to do this. So that is just not going to happen, I'm afraid. Lee said, Having just become a fan of Linux Luddites via Dan of Hab's final Linux Outlaws, I thought I'd tune in to your solo effort too. To show solidarity, I listened to <laughs> episode one at 3am last night, though not in the car. Well done for braving the cold for your art. I, for one, enjoyed the experience. I don't podcast myself, but I'm always interested in the equipment people use to do so. I heard the same recommendations from Dan and Fab along with your reservations regarding the Zoom H4n. It gets a lot of praise and does seem to have fallen to quite an affordable price. I suppose we should define affordable at some point. 
yeah, well, <laughs> what is affordable? I mean, it's it's cheaper than a phone, so you know, and it, it sounds a lot better, although it, you can't browse the web on it. I've considered one too. Having listened to the latest Luddites, I'd be keen to hear more about cheap phones and Android. A short, informal chat between you and Jesse would go down well if you can make it happen. And I replied to Lee today and said to him that if I do end up talking to Jesse about phones, it's unlikely we're going to be talking about low-end stuff because I think he's got the Moto X, is it? The new Motorola one? I can't remember what it's called now. And I've got a Nexus 5 and I'm thinking about the OnePlus One. So it's really the, the higher end of things that we would end up talking about. I mean, Jesse had a Galaxy S3, which arguably, I suppose, is low-end hardware these days. So we might touch on that, but I don't think it's going to be in the league of that Firefox phone we were talking about, the ZTE OpenSea. I mean, that is seriously low-end. Anyway, Lee continues, Will you be making your podcast accessible via Apple's podcast app? For my sins, that's how I usually consume them. But for all I know, it's a lot more work. Presumably, there's iTunes wrangling involved. And that's something that Russell or Russell, I'm not sure he's got omelets over the U, he might be uh, just joking there, also talked about. He said, uh, Hi Joe, I presume you don't care much about iPhones, lol, winky face, but please make the Joe Rest podcast available in Apple's podcast app. Linux, Lodice, and Mintcast are already there, Russell. Now, Paddy sorted out iTunes, and it, we thought we were on there, the Linux Luddite show, for ages, and then someone said, hey, you're not. And it just seems like so much hassle to do. For the number of listeners I've got for this show, I don't know. I think you have to install iTunes and stuff to do it, so it would mean doing that. And it's on my list of stuff to do, and maybe I'll do it. But I don't know. If you're listening to this and you wish that you could have it on iTunes or whatever on your Apple device, then, uh, yeah, I suppose, write to me and maybe the more people ask me to do it, the more likely I am to do it. If I get round to it tomorrow, I will, but we'll see. It might be that it's already on there by the time you listen to this and you're thinking, what's he talking about? But uh, it's on my list of things, but I've got a big list. What can I say? But Lee continued, on the Charlie Hebdo affair, as an atheist, I tend to fall into the camp with Fab on this one. Though I would be the first to concede that there would be fewer families facing unimaginable misery had Charlie Hebdo not been so willfully provocative. I haven't personally seen the artwork, but if it is as humorless as you say, it would seem a somewhat futile exercise, especially in light of the recent events, free speech or not. I also take your point on the term free. Overall, some valid points raised, thanks. Keep on casting. Regards, Lee. Yeah, well, what can I say? I said it all last time, didn't I? About the Charlie Hebdo thing. So I don't think I should rehash that now, really. And he also gave me some info about the H4N, which I was talking about on the first show, and how I said that it couldn't do line audio. It couldn't kind of take line gain, basically, line level gain. And... He quoted some tech specs to me and stuff and linked to a YouTube video where someone shows them playing some white noise into it and it's clipping really badly when you use the XLR inputs. But then they put an adapter on and plugged it into the the quarter-inch jack and then it wasn't clipping. But 
the thing is that just because it's not clipping doesn't mean it sounds good. And if you do it with white noise, obviously that's going to sound horrible regardless. And if you actually try and record decent audio with it, believe me, I've tried. You can't record decent line level audio or at least full on line level audio. Maybe if you're coming out of a mixer and can really lower the gain, possibly. But for what I want to do, you can't do it anyway. So it's it's very much built in mics. Uh, a guitar possibly but why would you want to record a guitar maybe an acoustic i don't know but suffice to say it's good for what it is but it does have that limitation brian 36 said hi joe thanks for the podcasts you were looking for responses oh yeah joe rests podcast at gmail.com i should have mentioned that earlier we said number one you can't get to sleep it could be you have too much running through your mind come sleepy time you need to switch off put on some visual chewing gum visual chewing gum does that mean the tv i don't know i used to sleep watching the tv but i don't own a television chiching no i genuinely don't own a television i've got a screen that is technically a tv but i don't have any means of driving it other than computers so i don't have anything with tv live tv service i watch iplayer and stuff so that's not really going to happen I do listen to podcasts and occasionally audiobooks at night. And I don't know, my problem sleeping, I don't know what they have come from, really. It's, I think it came from Christmas and New Year where I had 16 days off work and just got into a crazy routine and never really recovered from it. I'm getting a bit too old, I think, to go on like that. But my routine always will shift to a late... Um, nocturnal routine given the chance i will happily stay up all night and sleep all day and maybe that's because i'm some sort of man child but i don't know that's just how i am it continues number two i'm a christian believer but that doesn't mean i go around blowing up folk because they don't think and believe as i do so we agree on one point all views should be presented which is why i would have secular schools but these should not exclude teachers with a faith background and I agree with that. There's no reason why they shouldn't have faith, you know, if they happen to believe in Christianity or Islam, that doesn't matter as long as they're teaching kids about all the other religions and not giving any bias to their own, then it doesn't matter, obviously. It's like it doesn't matter if they're gay or straight or black or white, whatever. Like, why would it matter? As long as kids are taught about every religion past and present. That, that humanity has ever had that we know of that's I think the most important thing and as an atheist obviously I'm thinking yes well that will make them less likely to be believers but the as a, if you're a believer then surely you think it's a good thing because it means that they're more likely to respect each other's faiths if they're brought up as a Christian or as a Muslim or as a Jewish person or whatever then if they learn about all the other faiths, then surely they're going to be more respectful of them. So it's just win-win all round. And just faith schools, bringing kids up surrounded by one religious faith only and never learning about other ones is a terrible idea because that's the kind of thing that potentially breeds hatred and radicalism and leads to things like the Charlie Hebdo situation. Uh, but Brian continues anyway WM Wilverforce was a believer which is why despite opposition he led the ban on slavery well I don't know whether it was his faith 
or whether it was just the fact that it was a decent bloke, but I don't know enough about that to comment, I'm afraid. He said, number three, yes, two-hour podcasts are far too long. If they must be that length, divide them up and use chapter marks of some kind. Now, chapter marks are something that you can do in Audacity. You can do fairly easily in certain Mac software, I think, but I'm just not going to do that. I've got an old Mac kicking around that I vaguely use just to check stuff out, but I don't think it would even be good enough to do that. And chapter marks, I think you can do possibly in Audacity, but for now, Linux Luddites, Paddy does timestamps in the show notes, and I think that's going to have to do for now. Anyway, it continues... I listen to them while I do the household chores. Once done, I pause the podcast and wait till another non-thought-provoking task comes up. Well, yeah, that's the thing. You can always pause it, can't you? I don't expect someone to necessarily listen to a two-hour show in one sitting. It might be that, say, you've got a half-hour commute and you listen to a quarter of the show there, quarter of the show back, then the next day, the third quarter, and then on the way back, you finish it. Or you've got an hour commute there and back, whatever it's not like live broadcasting where you're going to miss something. You just hit pause. In my case, unplug the cable, the headphone cable, and it pauses it automatically. And he said, number four, I use Linux Mint desktop, Chrome, and Android with Windows 7 if I need to use ABBYYOCR, which I think is uh, like a PDF text thing. Uh, he says, also, I'm a radio amateur, so I'd be concerned about Wi-Fi charging and PLT. I think that's power line technology. Yes, inverse square law is a problem. Yeah, that was something we talked about on Linux Luddites, about the this new wireless charging that's coming, where you can have like one base station, like a Wi-Fi router, basically, and you can walk around and your devices, your phone and maybe even your laptop and stuff will be charged from it. And it really sounds like the future. But yeah, the inverse square law is going to be a huge problem for that. Obviously, twice the distance, quarter of the power, that sort of thing. So, yeah, some good points. So, yeah, thanks a lot, everyone, for all your feedback. That was quite a big feedback section for my third attempt at this show. And as I said, if you want to get in contact, you can leave a comment on the website or joelrestpodcast at gmail.com. I nearly said it at Linux. Joelrestpodcast at gmail.com. So, yeah, that'll be that for now. I'm not sure what I'm going to talk about next time yet at all. I haven't got any plans, so it might be more than a week if I can't think of anything. Although I did see some interesting movies recently, so it might be a movie special. Or maybe I'll go and see Jesse and talk about phones. Who knows? But anyway, thanks for listening, and I'll see you later. (laughs) 